This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You know, before I dive off into this, I just got to share a story with y'all because it shows how God was dealing with me about, you know, especially because I, I, I'm doing a, you know, part of my portion is blessed are the, you know, the pure in heart. And so this, this morning, and I, I'm probably not going to get there tonight, but I just have to share this with y'all. So I get up this morning, and I've been studying for, for this for months, but especially this past week. So this morning I get up, turn on my laptop, I pull up my, try to pull up my notes, and my screen is just blank. It says error. Cannot connect to the hard drive. And these are notes that I haven't saved to no cloud. I haven't done any, all that. I said, okay, let me just go. I'm going to go work out, I'm going to go take a shower, and I'm going to come back, and maybe it'll boot up for me. I came in, booted it, tried it again. Nope. I went into BIOS. Nope. I went to system start. Wouldn't. Something's wrong with your hard drive. Okay. So, what I can do right now is I can go try to address this issue, but I had, I had purpose on my mind. I had, I had things that I had to do already, right? And then God said, but, you know, because I've been studying, blessed what I put. And this this. Pure in heart. And this will make sense to you once we get into it. But he said, isn't your word hidden in, in my word hidden in your heart? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you real. I'm going to tell you what's real right now. The notes that are sitting in front of me are my notes from last week. Nothing that's been added. I've lost it. It's gone. It is gone. But he said, but, but my word should be hidden in your heart that you might not sin against me. Because let me tell you, I was scrambling this morning. I said, but just, just relax for a minute. See, because... Cause the, and I don't want to get into the pure in heart, but I just had to share that with you this morning because, you know, for those that call themselves blessed, it shouldn't just be Wednesdays and Sundays that we crack open this Bible, crack open this Word. For those who are indwelt by the Spirit, it shouldn't just be, you know, those few, those few, you know, one hour or thirty minutes. And, and now you're sitting at home doing whatever, you know, getting distracted by whatever. His Word should be hidden in your heart. That's what's going to keep you from sinning against God. Hiding his word in your heart. Not keeping it saved on a hard drive. Okay? Not picking up, not letting it sit on ink and paper. That's not where, that, the word's not going to do you any good there. So just a little something I wanted to share with you, because the enemy tried to, try to play that game. You know, he tried to, you know, try to throw a little monkey wrench in there. But it is what it is. And I say the enemy, but it's technology. You know, it is what it is. God's word has to be hidden in your heart, right? And that's the end of the story. But let's get back to the, the, the matter at hand. And I didn't give you guys a title last week, um, so I apologize to the multimedia team. But the, the title of, this, uh, of my portion of this teaching of the Beatitudes is Jesus, the Key to Satisfaction. Simple. So if you can, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 2 from the beginning here. Because, again, before I go into it, I'm still going to talk about who Jesus is. I have to, I have to bring this to your remembrance because, remember, it's the king who opened up his mouth. And started teaching. So there's some things we still need to bring to your remembrance here. And I, I just want to start uh, Hebrews chapter 2. And, and really you could read all over Hebrews and hear about our king. But I'm going to start at verse 9. And it says here. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. There you have to stop right there. Because we know Jesus is the eternal son of God. We know Jesus had to take a demotion. Right? Jesus had to take a demotion so that we could be promoted. 
uh, he had to step down. Listen, he was wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes, tattered clothes, born in a manger. You know, the, the, his parents didn't have anywhere for him to be birthed yet, but he's the king. And he was sent from the foundation of the world to save you and me. That's the king. A little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That right there has to stop. See, because that pricks my heart every time. He tasted death. And listen, I'm not talking about, you know, if a, a family member has died or this person has died. Yeah, but he tasted death for every man so that we could have life eternal. That's the difference, right? See, he tasted death for us so that we could have hope. We all can relate. A few years ago, our pastor passed away, but guess what? We have hope that we'll see him again. He tasted death for that. And and guess what? His sacrifice, it was accepted because he's the righteous one. That's what makes him... In Hebrews, go just one chapter over. And this is God talking. Look, in verse 8, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But unto, unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. It's the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. He's talking about Jesus. He's the righteous one. That's who he is. He's the only one that God, the only one that will please God. That's what makes him king. Listen, and because he's righteous in his ways, there's no, nothing can overturn him. The, remember in, in, in Isaiah chapter, listen, the, govern, the government will be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the one who ushers us, who ushers in peace with God, who gives us peace with God, and, and, and then because we have peace with God, we have the peace of God eternally. Again, it, it, it wasn't a temporary thing he did this for. He did this for eternity. That's our king. The righteous one. And again, like we said last time, he didn't stop there. Because, listen, after, after dying on the cross for our sins, he rose up. Then he was like, I'm still on my mission. I have things to do. Because I'm the king of peace. And by that peace, there will be no end to the increase of his kingdom. Through his sacrifice, we can now call him brother. Can you imagine that though? Listen, the, the righteous one. The one who knew no sin, but put on sin for us and tasted death. We can call him brother because he died for us. What did we do to deserve that? A merciful king. A compassionate king. One who had to, to, to put on man so that he could, he could be merciful and faithful. He could say, oh, I know what you're going through, though. That's why I've gone to my, my, my next assignment to be the intercessor. To be your mediator. That's our king. That's peace. That's the peace that he offers. And all we have to do is repent and believe. We've got to recognize the standard of Jesus Christ. 
repent and believe the righteousness of Jesus Christ. True righteousness, which brings true peace. Turn to Isaiah chapter 32. Because there's a thing about true righteousness that brings, it, it tells you right in Isaiah what true righteousness works. Isaiah chapter 32. And I'm going to read verse 16 through 18. And it says, Then judgment shall dwell in, in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruit field. Now, now I want you to understand this. Uh, let me go back and read verse 15. Let, let, me, let me go before that. <laughs> let me, Until the Spirit be poured upon us from high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a force. So this was talking about a dispensation before Christ, right? And then when Christ comes, now it's saying when the Spirit be, when it, when, it, when it be poured to us from on high, there will be a field of righteousness. Because the Spirit of the living God will live in us. We have then become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then what does it say there in verse, verse 17? And the work of righteousness shall be peace. Uh, that's, that's, that's us in the field. That's the righteousness, work, the righteousness of Jesus Christ working through us. Because that verse 15, it's happened. His spirit has been poured out. It shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Forever. Listen, the work of righteousness, the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is peace. He is righteousness. So once his righteousness has worked peace in you, it's time for his righteousness in you to work peace in someone else. That's how he establishes his kingdom. And to to the increase, by this method, the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. By this method, not by what you think. By peace. Work in righteousness. Doing what right, what's right in God's eyes is the only thing that's going to bring you peace. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that saves us from His wrath that is due to sin. It's due to sin. Yes, we were born and we were due wrath. But we serve a merciful God. A loving God. A caring God. And from the foundations of the world, like we learned last week. He, listen, he sent forgiveness from the foundation of the world. He sent mercy from the foundations of the world. Listen, he set covenant with himself because his love, his love comes before his wrath. See, this is the king of peace. You know, one whose love and mercy and forgiveness comes before our deserving wrath. See, that's the goodness of the Lord. That's what turns man to repentance. And that's the king of peace. That's who we serve. Our mediator. Our high priest. The great physician. One who would rather have mercy, not sacrifice. One who's come to sit with the sinners. Not judge them, but save them. Now, it's not time for judgment. It's time for mercy. It's time for grace.
That's the kind, merciful, compassionate, loving king that we serve. That's the king of peace. Listen, that's who opened his mouth and taught them. So let's go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 5. What a wonderful Savior. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to start here from verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, the king, the eternal king of peace, the righteous one. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, blessed. And again, I'm going to address again what, what this blessed means. Now, you know, what many people back then, and I'm sure many people think today about blessing, and I, I'm not sure if I said this last week, but what we have to understand is blessed is a condition or state that we're in. A lot of people confuse the things or stuff that we get with a condition or a state. Sometimes they confuse a byproduct of being blessed, of being blessed. Because there, there are some benefits of things that come with being blessed. But don't confuse the state with those things. We've learned this to be well off on the highest level. It's truly peace with God. For he's given us his righteousness. He has put it on our account. See, because... I love that. that. Pastor says this all the time. Righteousness is the only currency that God can recognize. That's why he's only pleased with Jesus. There's none that are good. There's none that are good. Listen, you can't say, but look at my degrees. Look at my prestige. Look at how, look at how all my children did this. Look at how I did this in the world. Look at all the charities I've given to and the homeless people. You can't say that and not expect God to be pleased with it. You can expect man to. You can expect man to. But see, with Jesus, that's what I love about Jesus. We're free from the expectations of man. We're free from what they expect of us. So blessed, like we said, is to be satisfied or complete, fulfilled. And again, that's the state, that's the condition of the believer now. Because you've got to remember back in what he was teaching here, the Spirit hadn't been poured out yet. Uh, that, that's the difference, though. That, that's the difference between them and, and you and I. We, have the, we, are in, we are truly blessed. We are indwelt with the Spirit of God. He shows us His likeness. Oh. Yeah. He shows us His glory. He, you remember Moses had to ask him, and when he saw the glory of the Lord, he could. Listen. But God said, I'll be on the inside of you. That's where we live. That's the blessed state. That's the condition of the believer today. We're talking about ministering to... Because this was ministered to them then, but now we're bringing it to today. We're ministering to you. That's the blessed state. Complete. Having everything we need. Lacking nothing. Uh, that's why I said that earlier about these Beatitudes. He didn't miss a thing because we need all of that. 
to be blessed, to be complete. Indwelt by his very, his very spirit. This is the day he was, this is the day that he was talking about. That you should rejoice in and be glad in. Because God has brought you himself through his son. Knowing that not none of us could do it. That's what I mean. He made covenant with himself. He knew not, not, not one of us could do it. But it must be done. That's blessed. And, and we can't let this world's morality or standard of man turn you from what Christ says is blessed. That's what, that's what they're dealing with. Uh, that's what we're dealing with today in these Beatitudes. We can't, this, this, is, this is coming from the king. The one who died for you from the foundations of the world so that you might have life. The eternal king of peace. Get that word eternal so that you might have life eternal. You see, that's, that's why I love we're dealing with death still on Sundays because Mr. Hazen touched on life eternal. It's not just any type of life. It's a peaceable life that he's giving you. Full of his righteousness, which, which God loves. Uh, it's a life loved by God. Uh, what's that, how sweet it is to be loved by him, by God, through the work of Christ. That's blessed. Uh, so, so why would we spend our time being legal, legal? The only thing I can think of is your mind isn't made up. You're not convinced that the old way of doing things is the wrong way of doing things. You, you have to remember as a new creature, we're restored to existence by the knowledge of Christ alone. We have to know who He is. And the blessed state about it is, he gave, God gave us His Spirit so that we can. The eternal king of peace. That's what blessed is. So the importance and objectives of this teaching here is to show the believer who they are and how they progress in Christ. I want you to get that. Because it's a real simple objective. It's not something big or magical we're trying to do. We're, supposed to, we're showing you. We're doing what Jesus did. He's showing you who the kingdom of heaven is filled with. And then he's going to, and then he, like, like Minister Martin said, he described him, then he's going to prescribe it to you. This is what you need. Oh, you have wrath, you have malice, you need to be forgiving, tenderhearted, you need to have mercy. Let's prescribe that. So again, we started, and we went through, and I started on Matthew chapter se uh, 5, verse 7, and it said, Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. 
And we gave definition to mercy here. And I, I'll, I'll read my definition here that we got again. I said it's unmerited compassion and devotion that responds to and meets one's needs, even though they have a right to punish them and it's within their power. See, God knew we had a need for a Savior. He knew that from the foundation of the world. God knew that the response to sin was His wrath. He, he knew these things. He knew that, listen, He knew that we were wretches undone without Him sending His Son. But He sent Him from the foundation of the world. Uh, see, see, God is not willing that any be lost. None. But he has the right to punish all. Uh, but this is, what, this is what mercy is, especially when you're defining God. Mercy is God extending his forgiveness to us. Through Jesus Christ, that's mercy. Well, we didn't deserve it. We were talking about the uh, the, the the servant who who, uh, who who didn't show mercy to the other servant. Mm-mm. That's not our God. He knows we didn't deserve it, but His love it trumps it all. His mercy, His forgiveness, forgiveness. Let me tell you, forgiveness is just another characteristic of God. That's who He is. That describes him. And he cannot deny himself. Not willing that any be lost. So that means that the merciful, you know, the blessed are the merciful, we have to be rooted and grounded in forgiveness. And like I said last service, we can see that from God's forgiveness, it what it is is him allowing room for your weakness because he forgave us from the foundation of the world. He, he allows room for your error because you know he knows that men with their, with their will and their decision making he knows that we're imperfect. He knows we have to learn of the things of Christ and learn obedience. So he makes way through forgiveness through his mercy through Jesus our, our intercessor, our high priest. Now, let me tell you, if he wasn't there, we'd be hopeless. Uh, with, I think I said this last week. Without mercy, there is no hope. Without Jesus, there is no hope. If there is no mercy for the sin that I was born into this world with, what do I have to hope for? We are men most miserable. But that's who God is. He's a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. His great mercies make up for our failures. You know, I gave y'all that illustration uh, last week of the drumsticks. And it's funny because God still, he still dealt with me. I got a, yesterday we had rehearsal and I came up here and I was back to my old ways. And you, if you can see it, I have a little blister on my finger. Now, the analogy I made last week was, 
I played, my playing is kind of flawed. And there was a stick maker that made stickers with pads on them. And here's the thing about the stick maker. And I failed to mention this last week, last week but it's so good, because it's like our guy, the pads that they, that they put on them, they put them in the right place where I'm supposed to hold them. So not only did it help me with my, the injuries, but it showed me this is where you should be holding it. But me, man, thinking, well, I still play good, I still sound good, I can go back to what I want to do. I've been good for a while, I don't have this or that. It's been a pandemic, we've been playing too much, I can do what I want to do. First day back. See, see, God is, that's why he makes way. He's like, you know, I, I knew you was going to be that fool, but my mercy, is, my mercy is everlasting. I have forgiveness for you. I know you've learned. Walk with me. Walk in this light. Forgiving. Allowed room for errors and failures. That's his forgiveness. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, to me, the merciful part is, there was nothing I could, listen, I could say, take me right now, Lord, I'll die for you. You don't have the righteousness you need. There's nothing you can do to earn this forgiveness. It'd be a waste. But that, that's, that's what's so beautiful about it for me. Was, listen, that's, that's what pricks my, that's what turns my heart. To, there was nothing I could do. As a matter of fact, I deserve the polar opposite. When I deserved wrath and death, he gave me love and life. Oh, what an awesome God. What a merciful, forgiving God. We needed that mercy. For all had sinned. And this, that, that initial turning of your heart, we have to stay there. We have to remember that when we're dealing with others. Yeah, but God showed me mercy. And, and not only that, I'm going to need mercy tomorrow. I'm going to need mercy the, the next day. Those are the things that should motivate us. Those are the things that will help us keep our minds steady so that, so that we don't forget and, and not obtain mercy. Remember, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain it. This is a race. Don't think that you've, you've arrived. Don't think that you've made it. I got my ticket. It's a for show. And I can do what I want. That's not how the kingdom of God works. See, and that's why I love the king of peace. He, he goes in and infects your heart first. You know why? Because he wants this to be a permanent thing. He changes you from the inside out. I see that. See, it's already starting to flirt with the pure in heart. He changes you from the inside out because this is going to be, listen, like I said, it's not momentary peace. This is a forever thing. And forever don't mean, I don't mean forever like, like I, I've lived in this house 30 years, that's forever. I've lived on this earth forever. No, you haven't, and that's not forever. See, that's why you make sure you need to come to the family life, you can hear about eternity, where time doesn't matter. I'm talking about peace, where time doesn't matter. 
see on earth, you can run out. You, you, you've said it before. I, I, I'm starting to lose my peace. I can run out of you. Starting to make, you, you said it. Are you working on my last nerve? You ain't got to worry about anything like that. And I'm not just talking about that type of peace, but that type of peace is included. I want you to know for eternity. The eternal king of peace. The scripture says, Blessed or satisfied are the merciful, for they run this race with endurance to obtain mercy. To obtain unmerited compassion and devotion. Because we didn't deserve it. Just like the servant did. He didn't run that race. He He got it, but he didn't obtain it. Never think you've arrived. That's another characteristic of, of forgiveness is remaining, embracing humility, being humble, being meek, which shall also inherit the earth. So obtain mercy, to obtain mercy, what do we have to do? And we went to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll go there again quickly. We won't go over all of, this, all of it like we did last time, but let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Alrighty. And I'm going to start again at verse 31. And it reads, Let all, I'm sorry, let me start at 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I had to read that right. Because the Spirit of God dwells within you. If you are blessed. And it says, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, again, these things here that it's telling you to put away from you, they all working together as well. Bitterness will lead to your anger. That built, that pins up resentment. Those thoughts that you have like, but they don't deserve that. You may, like I said last time, you may say it to themselves. That'll build up anger and then you let it fester. Then it switches to, then you start talking bad about it. You got evil speaking. And then those evil words, they, they, they turn into malice. And then, next thing you know, you're intending evil toward them. But he's saying, put away these things. And be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. See, he didn't, these words that follow those things you put away is not by happenstance. These are to counteract these things. These are the opposites of these things. Be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. That's five and one. Uh, uh, dear children who receive the spirit of adoption, those that are blessed, follow God. Because it's through Christ that we put away that old man. Uh, by the Spirit of God, we, we now have the ability to be kind when kindness isn't required, to be forgiving when we really don't want to be forgiven. To have mercy when they don't deserve mercy. 
to be like our Lord because he showed us how again you know these things like bitterness and, and wrath and anger and clamor and those things all that stuff happens because you allow yourself to get messed up over, over sins and errors and faults of others or your own but again, learning from our Lord who is a compassionate Savior, he, he, he doesn't want to put you away because of those things. He wants to hear those things and correct them. Uh, he wants to forgive them. He wants to give you mercy for them. And he wants to put you straight with God. Again, that when you see someone has that type of care for you when you didn't deserve it, when you sinned against God, That, that's what's going to lead. That's the increase of his kingdom by peace. And the, it's not that God, it's not that God wants to forgive you. I know, but He already has forgiven you. He wants you to receive His forgiveness. Because remember, he sent it before the foundation of the world. That's his goodness. That's his mercy. Uh, that's the thought processes we have to have. I want to forgive them. I really do. No, 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 no. God said, I've forgiven them. Here's my mercy. Because the only thing left is for your response to that. But what did we say before? Because just like God, you have to always be willing to be willing to forgive. He doesn't. He's not willing that any should perish. Which is not like man at all. Which is why Jesus Christ is the only righteous one. And we looked at Luke chapter six, and from that passage of scripture, I gave us a few things that I said forgiveness flows from. And I said again that forgiveness says that I'm unwilling to hold against you what you did to me. It's not an eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. Because if it was, with God, we'd all be blind and toothless. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm so glad God hasn't dealt with us the way that we were with him. Uh, number two was, I must do unto others as I, as I would have done unto me. That'll keep you where you need to be. Again, we said, number three, I must always be ready to forgive. And number four, again, I must always remember that I have been forgiven. Keep that in your mind. I'm forgiven. There's no sin too gross. See, heaven's going to be a real surprise for some people. It really is. It's going to be a big surprise for people. When you see some people out there where you thought, you know what, there shouldn't have been no forgiveness for them. There should be no mercy for them. And God's saying, but I got forgiveness and mercy for everybody. All who come. That's why... I that's why I'm excited about Pastor talking about starting the, the prison ministry. Listen, that's not the last for them. God wants them too. 
you got to get rid of what you perceive to be unforgivable. What you look at and you develop your opinions on, what jade your feelings, how they dress, how they smell, how they look, how they talk. Because I dare say that if some of y'all met Paul when he was Saul, you would feel a certain way. But there was mercy for him too. So we can't hold a grudge against our brother if he sins against me. It's so much for me. It's so much more easier, and so because it's so much bigger to recall, to remembrance what our Lord has done for us. It's, to me, it's so much more easier because what He does outweighs anything that any man could do to me. Oh, I, Mr. Hill, it's easy to say. You're absolutely correct. But listen, that's why you have to cease from your dead works. I have to rely on the righteousness of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have to hope. At the base of all these scriptures that we're reading is faith. The blessed walk by faith. And it's interesting to me, you know, studying forgiveness. And this is something my father always pointed out to me. And it's always stuck out to me. But when you hear the Lord dealing with forgiveness, he's never really dealing with the the party that did the sin. But he's always dealing with the party that was sinned against. That's what's amazing to me. Why? Because we all think we're right. Nobody likes to be wrong. Everybody got to, you know, listen, you got to feel me now. That's why this, this uh, Best of the Merciful, it really takes some real self-examination. What you've got to realize is that no one can get you into heaven. You've got to remember that. You have to believe on Christ for yourself. Nobody's getting you in. Uh, sometimes you may not get to see the benefits of your mercy on this side. But God said you'll obtain mercy. That's when you get to hear the king say, Come, you blessed of my father. Uh, Listen, to the place where I prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When I was naked, when I was hungry, listen, when I was thirsty, you ministered unto me. That's merciful. That's when the love of the king says, listen, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. I'll remember their sins no more. I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness because they've been merciful. They've run this race to obtain it. But we have to be merciful, regardless of what we think the outcome may be. And I get it, you know. Sometimes people just don't deserve our compassion. They don't deserve our mercy. Yes, we live in a world divided by race, 
divided by political party, by your social standing, your economic standing. Uh, and these are the divisions that need, listen, in the body where forgiveness and mercy is not practiced. But we can't choose who we think deserve God's mercy. You t- you think it too highly of yourself. Again, he he wishes that he wills that none will perish. So we have to operate out of mercy. And operating out of his mercy means it's not just for people that I feel have wronged me. Uh-oh. Because some people just think, uh, I'm going to give them mercy because they did something wrong to me. It's not just for that. You know, the blessed or the merciful that are operating out of his mercy. See, as the blessed, believers can minister God's mercy in ways that non-believers can't. With impact. With effectiveness. Uh, not just to a non-believer, but to your family. To other members of the body. You can minister mercy through your life. I, I love how, you know, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness were before this. Because God will give new mercies to those who hunger and thirst for his righteousness. And then when you're present and you're ready to receive his word... You can apply that mercy in your time of need. His word, Jesus, is his mercy. And receiving the word, receiving Jesus, receiving guidance, receiving correction, receiving counsel, allows you brand new mercies today, but it also stores up mercies for your tomorrow. That's the beautiful thing about it. It stores up mercies for your tomorrow. Many people... Especially during this pandemic, they replaced their so-called time. I kind of talked about it a little earlier. You know, their so-called time on Sundays and Wednesdays with God with just any little thing that they think is blessed. The stuff that I was talking about earlier. Not the condition, the state of being blessed, but the stuff, the activities. Never placing any priority on God's word. And they'll say things like, yeah, I'm making it. It's not that serious. It doesn't take all that. But you may not need it now. Because remember I said it stores it up for later. But one day, someone will be sick. A child will be wayward. A family member will pass. You may be financially strapped. You may lose your job. There may be a pandemic. There may be a winter freeze. And you're going to say but what's going on? All of a sudden, it's that serious. But you haven't been merciful with your time, with people, with God. You have nothing to give in your time of need. Not to anyone. Remember what we said, being merciful is, we said it's responding to and meeting a need. But you have nothing to give in the time of need. Not being merciful. That's being unmerciful to to yourself. When you need God's mercy in your life, he's like, well, I hope you stored it up. That's what, you know, the assembly of the body, that's his mercy. 
the correction that we receive from him, that lines us up, that puts us back straight with God, that lets us realize, oh, I need forgiveness. That's his mercy. Then you're sitting there thinking, how did I get here? What did I do wrong? You put things before God. Listen, you put priority over God. You consider whatever else is the blessing and not what he told you. Blessed are the merciful. Not only that, but you've you've been so consumed with your own wants or your own needs that, that your drive to respond to others' emotional or spiritual needs is non-existent. Because that's being merciful. You're, listen, you're not kind. You're not gentle. You're not forgiving. Listen, if you're not merciful, listen, you don't pray. You can tell that by your response to actions. Because if you prayed and had that close relationship with God, trust me, you'd be merciful. Harsh in your responses. You know that wrath that we were talking about? Harsh in your responses. Uh, When you see people suffering, you respond harshly to them instead of reaching out to them in mercy. When you see somebody in sin, you may start talking about them to somebody else instead of you going to reach out to them in, in mercy. Uh, listen, always saying, well, you, they're going through it, but I'm going through it too. Probably worse than them. That's not merciful. Let me tell you something about the merciful. They're attracted to people in distress. Listen, the people that you run away from, the merciful run too. The ones that are unloving, they show love too. The ones that are uncaring, they show care too. That's the heart of the merciful. Why, why is that the heart of the merciful? Because it reflects the heart of our God. You know, the outcast, the ones that are out of fellowship, the rebellious, the unpleasant, the ones that irritate you, the merciful run to them. Because guess what? All those things, that's what you should have been to God. Irritating, sinful. God hates sin, but he doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate the sinner. He came to call the sinner to repentance. That's the heart of our God. That's the heart of the merciful. When you're, when you're put in those situations, you know, with, with people or, you know, or, or things that you may be jaded against, or most likely people, I've learned over the course of years, because, listen, especially if you're walking with God, Things are not just happening by happenstance. So I've learned to look at those difficult people or irritating people that I would call them, because that's not what God would call them, but I've learned to look at them as the nutrients, the soil that I need to grow more in Christ. 
They're there to help you. You're supposed to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do you think that? Do you think a race is easy? Do you think he says run it with endurance because it's easy? No, because he says run it with endurance because people, man, tend to give up. I want to know, don't you think he knew of our thoughts and our difficulties of people before? Listen, do you think he knew of that before he taught it in Matthew 5? Because he did. Remember, forgiveness was sent from the foundation of the world. He, listen, he knew of, he knew of murderers that needed forgiveness. Listen, Moses was considered a murderer. But Moses received forgiveness too. Uh, see, the, there's thoughts and plans that God has for you. And those that he has for you, he has them for the other man too, the one that you don't have them for. So we have to allow for weaknesses. Allow for irritations. That's what forgiveness is. We have to remember, we have to keep telling ourselves in our mind, you know, Jesus is coming back for his church. Uh, Listen, he's not coming back for a black church. He's not coming back for a white church. He's not coming back for a left-wing church. He's not coming back for a right-wing church. He's not coming back for a church that I chose. He's not coming back for a church that you chose by people that weren't irritating to you and were your homeboys or your homegirl you was cool with. He's coming back for the holy church. He's coming back for the blessed. That's who he's coming back for. The ones who keep their hearts turned towards him. And with these last few minutes, I'm going to get started on my next. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Oh, God is so good. Uh, You know, I can't get enough of talking about his mercy. About his goodness. About his love and righteousness extended to us. So that we could have peace. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Now this one right here you know. (laughs) Before we get into definitions or anything like that. Right off the bat, when he says pure in heart, you know he's talking about the inner man. He's not talking, he didn't say blessed are, are the pure on the exterior. No. He's talking about the pure in heart. He didn't say blessed are the, listen, in these days, in those days, the Pharisees that could do all the ceremonial things that make you look pure in front of people. No. Let me move it on up. He didn't say, blessed are the the teachers in the teaching ministry. He didn't say, blessed are the ones who can quote scripture. He didn't say, blessed are the ones who can get up here and sing, or play an instrument, or can clean the bathroom. 
you know, I, I do that all for my church. Listen, those are outward things. Those should show your inward change. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. The inner man. I said it earlier, he works from the inside out. That's the only way it's permanent. That's the only way you're going to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, here's my thought, right? Pure in heart. And, and I, I have to allude to, to, to David in Psalm, uh, was that Psalm 51? You know, when he said, Lord, you know, purge me with the hyssop. See, because he realized some things about himself. I'm, listen, there's some things in my heart that I need to get rid of. There's some things in my, there's some things that I need to, I need to do the unseen work in. And, and only you and your righteousness can help me. So the place that your heart was brought to when you first heard the goodness of the Lord should be the place where you are for the rest of your life. That's what you have to remember. Where, where your heart was brought to, when he pricked your heart, when he showed you his goodness and kindness and you realized this is a standard that I can't keep and he still gave it to you, that's the place you need to keep your heart for your life. That means it, it takes some maintenance. And where was this place? Let me give a name to it. Repentance. You know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peace to you from the eternal king of peace. That's the place that you should be for a lifetime. That's where you need to keep your remembrance on. It's where God met you with his mercy and forgiveness ready. It, it was the launching point of all of your experiences with God. Repentance. This heart will keep you rooted and grounded as a believer. This heart will keep you blessed. This heart will keep you established in the faith. So I'm just going to give a, a definition to what repent is. And again, there's many definitions to this. And you should use them all. But this is just specifically for this teaching. And I'm using these words because somebody already taught about blessed are they that mourn. So repent is to have your heart grieve or mourn so much that I'm ready to change my mind about sin. I desire clean hands and a pure heart. I desire clean hands and a pure heart. Let's turn to Psalm 24. We're almost out of time. That's okay. I see a good stopping point. Let's turn to Psalm 24. Oh, and I'm going to tell you, I can't wait to get into the pure, the pure in heart. Oh, because God has been dealing with me. That's how I know he's going to deal with us. This is for us in this time. Psalm 24, and I'm going to read verse 1. Six. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the, upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, 
who have not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. Let me tell you what he just asked, that who shall ascend to the Lord? He asked him, who will see God? Those with a clean hand and a pure, and pure heart. Blessed are they with a pure heart, for they shall see God. And, and what does that pure mean? Pure is simply this. It's not mixed. It's not contaminated. With what? Sin. Simple. Let's keep it simple, right? You're not mixed or contaminated with sin. It's, it's being true to who you are in Christ. So I'm going to give us a, a quick definition here. Well, a definition here of the pure in heart. And then, uh, ooh, I don't know if I want to start this tonight. I'm just going to give us a definition and I'm going to start there. And then uh, we'll pick up from here next week. So the pure in heart, and you can write this down. The pure in heart are those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in Jesus. I'll repeat that part again because there's more. Those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in Jesus. One that has a continual acknowledging of their past sinful condition, which causes a continual appetite for righteousness. Let me say that again. One that has a continual acknowledging of their past sinful condition, which causes a continual appetite for righteousness. That's the pure in heart. And we're going to pick up on that part next week. It's, I'm telling you, God is just doing an amazing work in our lives. If we would just come willing and obedient with a receptive heart, I promise you, God's word will not leave you void. It will not leave you wanting. It will show you you are indeed blessed. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.